You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Um, tonight I want us to talk about the blood of Jesus. I reckon with the fact that if you have lived in Nigeria, this part of the world, for a little while, you are very accustomed to... Um, to that whole, to just, you know, the, I don't know if you've ever, you, I'm sure you're accustomed to us praying and mentioning the blood of Jesus. Um, and I always found it interesting, you know, how we seem to have that lent, that thing where when someone says, um, I cover it with the blood of Jesus, everybody in the room then just mutters under their breath quietly, the blood, the blood. And you've all done it before, right? <laughs> And um, I just want us to talk about the blood of Jesus tonight. Why are we talking about the blood of Jesus? This month, March, um, I'm very heavy in my heart uh, to talk about spiritual warfare. And we've typically talked about warfare from the whole, the attacking someone perspective. And the perspective that's been in my heart and, you know, I've shared with the leaders is more about coming into who God has called you to be and taking possession of the things that God has called you to take possession of. It's more about you living the life that Christ actually died for you to live. Yes, we recognize the fact that there are battles that have to be won but it's about you taking your position. So this month, we're looking at all the various things that God has put at our disposal, at our disposal to, 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 to fight a good fight of faith. All right? Um, I was saying with the leaders two Sundays ago how I sensed that some people, including me, needed to graduate and it was almost as though we had been at certain levels for a while. And I just want us to use this month to explore all the different things that God has put at our disposal. I think it was yes, two days ago, I kept, you know, as we talked, to the, I was talking with the leaders, and I said, a bit that I, one of the things that I've observed is a lot of casualness about the outcomes of our lives. So for a number of us, we seem to not be very invested in how our lives will turn out. And I, and I hope to be able to explain that um, a bit more as the month proceeds. But just that knowledge that between yourself and God, between myself and God, me yielding to God, I will determine, I will decide how my life will turn out. It's not principalities and powers. It's not the Nigerian economy. It's not a cycle or a pattern that I've observed in my family. It's nothing of that sort. So between me cooperating with God, that's spiritual warfare. So when you think of yourself, I know you think you are young and 18 now. Some of us have been 21 for the last four years. No problem. God is seeing you. But 
Think of yourself as when you are 60. Think of yourself when you are 70, 80. Think of yourself at 80. I, I think of myself when I'm old, and it's always, you know, the same picture, handsome old man, slightly bald, with my vest, my moccasins. I, just, but but I, what will be the outcome of my life? And for me, that is the key, that is, that is where spiritual warfare is that I, won't, I don't want those outcomes to be left to chance. I don't want them to be dictated just by, you know, what people said. So Ephesians chapter 6, um, interesting, verse 12, or from verse 11, 10 actually, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil come, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I read this, and we'll read this over and over again this month. Because, you know, if you're in a battle and they've said to you, this is what you should wear to war. It's interesting when you then show up in your jeans and your favorite t-shirts. Um, it's like you're watching a football game and you just see it's, it's confusion if all 22 players are wearing the same thing. Or if 18 are wearing the same thing. And then two are wearing, oh, the goalkeeper's we're different, but if, if there's not that clear distinction, there's confusion. And by the way, I have said to mention to the leaders, I've hinted them. I just say it to you at midweek service, I'll say it on Sunday. I no longer support Arsenal Football Club, <laughs> I've repented. Okay, man has the right to choose. Okay, I've repented. I support anybody else who's leading Chelsea, Man United, but not Man United, they're sixth, but I no longer support Arsenal. Okay. I've given out all my arsenal jerseys. <laughs> but, but the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. So I was asking myself coming to church, so how do I know when I'm wearing the helmet of salvation? Because you don't show up in battle wrongly dressed. 
In fact, it's a, it's a funny thing how in our country, our police, our army people are very defensive of the camouflage uniform that army people should wear, all right? I don't know why, but they are. So if they see you wearing it on the road, they make a force. But the blood of Jesus, is a, some philosopher that once called Christianity a bloody religion, and it speaks... You know, at the very core. So, Revelations chapter 12 and verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. John 1, when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, he says in verse 29, This is the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world. So you, you and, and I start, and I mentioned the helmet of salvation first because you can't really preach about Christianity without talking about the blood of Jesus. You can't really talk about Christianity without talking about the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus' blood is the summary, I like to put, of the sacrifice that was made for our victory. That voice is the voice of my goddaughter just agreeing with everything that I'm saying. It's so beautiful music in my... Okay? So the blood is the price that was paid for my victory. The blood is the summary of the sacrifice that was made for you and that was made for me. Uh, my life is essentially nothing without the blood of Jesus. My life is essentially nothing without the blood of Jesus. And I want to just stretch it out today. And I, so for me, when I think of the helmet of salvation, essentially it's a recognition of what the blood of Jesus represents, what it means to be saved, and how we get saved. So the blood is central to our redemption as Christians. In the Old Testament, there are a number of examples that we see so you're going to do New Testament. Um, we see Abel offering up a sacrifice that is acceptable to God by the blood. We see that wonderful experience of Passover where God essentially says to his people, tonight it's going down. And he says to them, take a lamb, sacrifice it, take the blood, Put the blood of the lamb upon your doorposts. And it says something will happen overnight. And it says when the angel of death comes, when he sees the blood, he will pass over. And that begins more than just a tradition. It begins almost like a prophetic hint to the people of Israel about how God was going to redeem mankind. But indeed, that day 
was a mark that redeemed them. Because if you were Israelite and you had not obeyed the instructions that day, you would have died. Such was the power of the blood. But this wasn't the blood of Jesus yet. Um, after that, the Israelites had all sorts of, um, you know, they had all sorts of ceremonies where on a yearly basis they will bring the blood of animals to offer unto God for the atonement of their sins. We'll read from Hebrews very quickly. But you would find how that it was just an annual postponement of the consequences of the things that had happened or the consequences of the sins that they had committed. So when we talk about us exercising our victory as Christians, what part does the blood... So that was the Old Testament. This is Israelites. How does it work for us? What should we do? Should we take blood now and make marks upon our doorposts? Where will we get this blood from? And so it's important to understand that <laughs> the blood of Jesus was shed on our behalf was shed on our behalf. In Revelations, it says that we overcame the devil by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. I'd like Tolu to come just share quickly about how we see the blood of Jesus in the New Testament. And then I would try and wrap it up talking about the blood of Jesus as a weapon in spiritual warfare, spiritual battles, okay? Hallelujah. Okay, so as P.I. was saying, um, in the Old Testament, we had the purpose of the blood, which was of lambs, of the blood of animals, which was essentially an exchange, an exchange for life, an exchange for, for, self, for, well, an exchange for forgiveness. So we offer of the lamb or we offer of the animal, and then we get, so to say, an extension of, uh, of, of God's forgiveness for us. But then that wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable and it wasn't, it wasn't the original plan that God had. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. And it was important that his death was not just a death, but his, his death involved shedding of blood. And that blood was here to do three things for us in the and we see that in the New Testament. The first is the remission of all sins. Because what it is, is that sin will continually drive us into a wilderness. It will put us under condemnation. It will put us under guilt. 
and it puts us in a position where we cannot exercise our authority. And we see that from the fall of man in, um, in the Garden of Eden. When Adam, the man who was meant to have authority and to walk confidently amongst the lions and the elephants who were naked, he was actually covering himself and cowering away. There he started to lose his authority. But the blood of Jesus comes so that we can be washed sin and there's an exchange again you know this is like an exchange so in the passover it was like an exchange we we we, we bring the blood and then we, we we get life back that that's what happened in the past passover and so with jesus dying it was also an exchange where we get life and but this time it was the son of god that died as a lamb In Matthew 26, 28, it says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, the second thing the blood does is really to establish this new covenant that God has, I mean, that God has for those who are non-Jews, let's put it that way, the Gentiles. Because before now, the covenant that was established was just for the Jews. And if we go back into the time of Moses, when the covenant was established, there was actually sprinkling of, sprinkling of blood on the people and sprinkling of blood on the covenant just to say that this is, this is God's covenant with you, Israelites. So as Gentiles, as people who are non-Jews, this blood came to establish that covenant with us as it was done for the Israelites many, many years ago. But finally, the blood gives us that boldness to enter the holies of holies. In the Old Testament, you couldn't enter the altar or you couldn't even be in the presence of God. It was, it was always a priest that would go in and offer animals or offer sacrifices on your behalf. And so there was always that God is somewhere there. If we need to reach him, we go through quite a few hoops. You know, you have to find an animal, you have to f find a priest, and you have to offer it to the priest. And so you couldn't enter the holies of holies and actually tell God, this is what I want. I mean, there are possibilities where you tell the priest that this is what I've done, and then it goes there, and Chinese walls, it could say something different. But the blood of Jesus has broken that, broken that shield away. You know, when Jesus died, they said that the, the, the curtain that covered the um, altar was what was torn into, in, into two so that we have that confidence to enter the holies of holies and to ask for forgiveness and to also intercede for ourselves and intercede for others because when what what God sees it's no more us God sees our righteousness through Jesus Jesus Christ and those are the three main things that the blood of Jesus did for us in the New Testament then I will pass on to Pastor Idris, who will now tell us how the blood is used as a weapon for spiritual battle. Thank you. God bless you. Let's put our hands together for Sulu. Thank you so much. Um, do you know the song, Oh, the Blood of Jesus? You can play that. Thank you. So, I just want to talk through uh, how 
what part the blood of Jesus plays as a weapon in spiritual warfare. And Tolu mentioned something about the remission of sin. And Yimika was asking me, what does that mean? It's interesting because I said to her, how earlier in the day I wanted to check that up. And I remember how we always made that distinction between just sin that had been covered and almost like sin that, so what happened on a yearly basis with the Israelites was that the consequences of their sins, as it were, were covered until the next year. So on a yearly basis, they had to make a sacrifice of blood. But with the church, what happened is that once and for all, the blood of Jesus was shed on our behalf. If there is nothing else that makes you happy on any given day, just remembering that the blood of Jesus was shed on your behalf should make you happy. And it does more than just cover the sin. It pushes back not only the consequences of the sin, but the Bible says, for as many as accepted Jesus, he gave the power to become sons of God. And that's very important. So how do we, as it were, the Bible says in Revelations, that by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony, we overcome the devil. How do we use the blood? First thing. Accepting forgiveness of sin and the righteousness that Jesus has given to us. Very important. Accepting the forgiveness of sin and the righteousness, Tolu talked about it, that Jesus has given unto us. As I was preparing for this, I remember the scripture uh, from Joshua chapter 7 and 13. A gentleman called Achan. And how that as the people of Israel in the day led by Joshua were going to war, there was an occasion where they found that they could not contend for that which God had given them. And from verse 13 of Joshua 7, God says to them, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, there are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. And this has always been in my heart, in my mind somewhere. So when preparing for the thing, this message, it just, it just struck me again how that a whole people, a whole nation, will be unable to take possession of that which God had promised them, directed them to, because within their camp was disobedience. In fact, one translation would say there was the accost thing within you. And they would then go through the process where God will show them who and what it was, and they would remove that, go back to battle, and be victorious. And so one of the things that is critical, for us as we contend for everything that God has given us is the understanding of that acceptance of forgiveness of sin. Whether it was some act of disobedience before you became a Christian, whether it was something that happened even after you had come to know Jesus. 
But accepting that the price was paid for you. Accepting that the price was paid for you. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. And what happens when we refuse to accept the power and the working of the blood and accept forgiveness is that typically we hold condemnation and guilt and we are unable to stand in confidence. Confidence is a terribly important thing for a Christian. We'll talk about that coming Sunday, coming, coming Thursday. Because the writer of the book of Hebrews will say, do not cast away your confidence. And it's amazing how little confidence some of us have when we are walking in sin and disobedience. So very important in warfare is constantly being conscious that the price for you and God to be united, to have access, the price for the forgiveness of my sin, for the forgiveness of your sin, was paid in the blood. Was paid in the blood. There are some shops you have to come out of, and as you come out, there's a bookshop in VI, and I don't, it's a funny process, but every time you're walking out of the shop, there's always a guy at the door who wants to check your receipts and checks the things that you have bought just to make sure that that's what you are living with is yours. And the blood of Jesus gives us that confidence in battle. That confidence in battle. I mean, you don't go to battle. The nature of battle in itself is such that even before the first engagement, confidence matters. I mean, the Bible says concerning Goliath and David that Goliath had just, will just show up in the morning and will just terrorize the people of Israel. Generals, colonels, lieutenants, everything. And what was he doing? He wasn't beating them. He wasn't throwing his massive spear at them. He was just using words and he was just attacking their confidence. He was just telling them, I will finish you. Look at all you small people. Who are you? I will if I, when David showed up, he says to David, look, I will, I will just destroy you and throw you to the birds of the air. And, and oftentimes what happens when we have not employed that gift of the blood to ensure that there is nothing that stands between us and God is that when we show up to claim the things which God has assured us in his word are ours, we hear the voice of the devil shouting, who are you? What are you? How dare you? And so accepting forgiveness and accepting the fact that because of the blood of Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, that If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And it's because of the blood of Jesus. The second thing I want to speak about, pleading the blood and even sprinkling the blood. Because these are terms that we met as Christians. So if you've been in church a while, you've heard about the concept of pleading the blood. 
And sometimes sprinkling the blood. I remember traveling by road when I was much younger. And then sometimes you would find in the bus a very zealous Christian. Or just somebody who was afraid to die. And as the bus was about to leave, he says, Brethren, let us pray before this bus leaves. I don't know if they still do it. Eh? But let us pray before this bus leaves. And sometimes they would then go into these prayers where they say, let us soak. We soak the engine in the blood. And we, uh, you've not heard things. <laughs> we, and they would, they would literally, and I used to wonder, and it's interesting, and I, and I say this carefully, that so, so some of the things that people have done in the past in the church, when we, as younger and newer Christians, see those things, we must try and understand the heart of what they were doing. So before you write them off in totality, understand the heart of what they were doing. I said to the leaders the other day that there is so much for us to learn from the generations in front of us in terms of their willingness to stand up in God and defend territory and take new territory. Because we are much fancier. We're like, uh-uh, what is all this aggression? What is 21-day fast? Uh-uh, why are you up? We say, I'm doing vigil at night. You're like, vigil? What is vigil? Why? It's not that hard. You know, so we laugh at the mechanics of what they were doing, but we don't understand the heart. So I dare say, I dare say, that the generation before us understood more about warfare than we did, or than we do. So pleading the blood of Jesus versus sprinkling the blood of Jesus. Now, the Bible, the whole concept of the blood of sprinkling, when you read through Hebrews, you would see that term used over and over again. And scripture is very clear that the blood of Jesus was, has already been presented once and for all for the atonement of our sins. And so I'm not sure that, again, we're not stuck on words, but there is no, the blood of sprinkling has been applied already. But what does it mean when we plead, or people say we plead the blood of Jesus? Um, in fact, when, you know, talking about the blood of sprinkling in the priority, when you read Hebrews 9.25, Hebrews 9, he speaks about the, the high priest of old will go every year. He says, but Jesus, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. So he says, that's not what Jesus, Jesus went, made a final presentation of the blood of the sprinkling once and for all and sorted out. But when we plead the blood of Jesus, I'll tell you how I've come to understand it. It's a legal term. In fact, in America, you would typically hear people say, I plead the fifth. And it's simply talking about invoking your right under a particular piece of legislation. So pleading the blood is a legal term. It's saying I come under the force, I come under the principle, I come under the covenant that the blood speaks about. In fact, there's a scripture I constantly remember when I speak about pleading the blood. It's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24. It says to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood that speaks a better word, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So I normally say that 
there is something that the blood of Jesus is saying on my behalf. It's been sprinkled already, and it is saying something on the behalf of the Christian constantly. The blood of Abel, if you do not know, was the blood, that whole concept where the Bible says, so Jesus says, God says to Cain, he says, your brother's blood, Cain had been murdered, he says, your brother's blood is calling out for vengeance. So the blood of Abel is the one calling for judgment and vengeance. But it says the blood of Jesus, the blood of sprinkling, speaks better things on our behalf. So when we plead the blood of Jesus, we bring things and circumstances. I say, under the covering of the speech of the blood. That's what I normally say in prayer. So I say there is, there is something that the blood of Jesus is saying on my behalf. There is something. He's saying that Idris has victory over all circumstances and in all things. It's saying that Idris is rich and he's not poor. He's healthy and not sick. He's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He is not under the bondage of sin anymore. The blood of Jesus is saying that Idris is strong. He's not weak. He has clarity and direction in life. He's not confused. And so when I plead the blood of Jesus, I say, look, I am bringing myself under that covering of what the blood of Jesus is saying. I'm not just pleading the blood of Jesus in a traditional religious sense. No, I'm not saying when I plead the blood of Jesus, let's just pour it everywhere. No, that's not what it is. It is invoking my rights as a Christian. So, you know, I ask us as, you know, Christians this evening, are you under the covering of the speech of the blood? You know, that night when, of Passover, when the Israelites had put that blood mark on their doors, essentially what it was was the conversation was happening in the spirit. And as that angel of judgment showed up, what was happening was that it was, he would have a conversation as he was about to interact with that which was theirs and their possession. And they would begin to hear, not this ones, not these ones. So I, I say, look, is the blood of Jesus, the covering of the blood of Jesus, is it speaking, is it enforced in your life and your circumstance? I like to say to myself, but even upon the doors of my heart, that the mark of the blood of Jesus must be there. It's interesting that when we talk about the blood of Jesus and the protection that it offers, it's more than just circumstantial or external. It's even within the internal conversations that happen in our hearts. For some of you and for some of us, for me, I found in life, that sometimes the biggest battles I fight are not battles on the outside. On Sunday, I preach a message. In fact, I preach a message on Sunday called, that will be called the battlefield of the mind. Because sometimes that's where the biggest battles are fought. For some of you, the biggest battles raging in your life are the battles within your mind. And you need to allow the voice of the blood of sprinkling to show up in the midst of those conversations in your heart. I wish there was technology that would allow us to project every Sunday, just choose a church member and just say, kill him today. And just sit and we can just see scrolling on the screen the inner workings of Caleb's minds. <laughs> People just stop coming to church. Say <laughs> if it's like that, let's just, let's just, because this is not our real face and we know it. 
You, you, you and I know it. This is not your real face. You know the conversations that happen. And it, the Bible says, out of the hearts flow the issues of life. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So it means that when you, and I'm preaching Sunday already, but when you, what happens in that battle inside comes out. When a man is defeated on the inside already, it's hard for him to experience victory. And victory means different things in different spheres. So the blood of Jesus is constantly speaking on our behalf. And it's our responsibility to plead the blood, to invoke the promises, the blessings, the authority over the blood of Jesus over our lives. Over our lives. I'd like to talk about the lastly, and we'll do that tonight as we round up. Why breaking bread is very important. So taking the communion is very important. It's another way where we enforce and use the blood of Jesus in warfare. In 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 26, Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. It says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I like that last one. It says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why is that important? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we take communion, Paul says here, we remind our souls about the victory that has been won already. We remind our souls. Why is this important? It's important because when Scripture speaks about the victory that we have as Christians, it says this is our victory, even our faith. First uh, John chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, for everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, that which we believe on the inside. So our victory as Christians, in fact as human beings, is first won inside before it's won outside. I would, I would talk about this over, over and over again in this month. How that, and I, I'm sorry I used this football analogy again. But you know sometimes you look at a team, they're so gifted. But you just know that, you know there's something wrong on the inside. You, in fact, so the way the commentators will say is that there's, they're not, they don't have mental strength. The way the black man will say it is that they are worrying them from home. They have spiritual problems. All right? If you had watched yesterday's game, which was a great game, by the way, my favorite team, the one I now support, you know, three minutes to the end, and in my, even me, I was already confessing on their behalf. Useless people, nonsense, name are rubbish, take him out. And then, and you just realize the power of faith within the heart of a man. See, even a natural man eh, who decides that, oh no, this, I'm going to do this thing, 
can do great things. Talk to us about the man whose faith is in the finished work of the cross. A man whose faith is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what happens when we take the communion is that we, we literally wake ourselves up again. Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance. He says, just in case you forgot, just in case your soul forgot that the blood of Jesus paid the price for you. He says, do it again. I like how David will address his soul and say, you know, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And he'll say, put your trust in God. So every now and then when we take communion, and when we take communion in church, cannot be the only time that you take communion. You take your favorite loaf of bread, and you take some non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> you can't use Bailey's for communion. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's not communion. They're communicating with other spirits. <laughs> and Jesus says, every time you do this, you remind yourself that though I am living on the earth now, and though I am seeing things on the outside and there are conversations in my heart, but that the blood of Jesus was shed on my behalf. Because you can't forget. You know there are circumstances that you can be in in life. And you can sometimes, when they ask you for your, even your name, you'll be trying to remember. You know, you can be stunned. And sometimes life goes at such a pace that we forget. But the problem is that once you forget, once you take your eyes off it, once it's no longer the reference point for your dealings, the challenge is that you begin to think, talk, and behave like someone who doesn't have the victory. So he says, whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in taking the communion, we reinforce that victory. We say to our souls, you might be going through a tough time, but don't forget the blood of Jesus was shed on your behalf. It's like someone who has a promissory note. It's like someone who... Holy Spirit, I need, I need examples so when people are getting married, I say to them, write letters to yourself because sometimes there will be things that happen in marriage that need you to go back and read the letter and say, okay, well, I didn't make a bad decision. Okay, well, yes, this is what he said then. Tonight, as we share the communion, I want us to share the communion in faith. I don't know in what aspect of your life there's a battle but it's, it's, it's ridiculous to show up in the battle in jeans. I know they're your favorite jeans. I know they're shredded like they show on TV. I know it's Calvin Klein, but it's ridiculous. This is not the battle for jeans. Bible speaks about the helmet of salvation. So the blood of Jesus has been shouting on your behalf that you... A more than a conqueror. I know that is a church phrase. So sometimes when we say it, it doesn't mean anything. But it says that in the very battles of life, and all of us are fighting different battles, please come to church on Sunday. I Please come to church on Sunday. Please. But as you fight the different battles, and I don't know what you are fighting. I know the ones I'm fighting. But why are you fighting those battles in isolation? Why have you refused to echo what the blood of the sprinkling 
is saying on your behalf. And so when we share the communion, we're not just trying to take an appetizer before we go and have dinner. No. Jesus says we are reminding ourselves of the death of Jesus on the cross. Just in case you forgot Idris' soul. Idris is not an ordinary man. The blood of Jesus has been shed on his behalf, guaranteeing him. And I'd like to add, the generations coming after me, that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. It guarantees us victory in every single aspect of life. Um, weeks ago, I said to the comms team, I said, I want to sign out there that says, don't give up. <laughs> and I, it, it almost arrived in my heart in isolation because I couldn't really put it together with all the things I was processing. But I, I look here, this month, God is going to shake every, 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 every iota of defeat thinking, defeat living out of the life of someone in this church. Every, you, you people will notice in your heart, in your life, they will notice that there's something wrong. There's something, when I say something, there's something different about you. You know all this nonsense they show on TV where they say when you come to work and you had sex the night before, people just look at you, oh, wow, what a glow. You had some last night. Oh, that's lie. It doesn't happen like that. Because I've gone to work before, nobody said anything to me. And I'm married, so I have a license. Just relax. Okay, but my point is this. When God finishes with us this month, people will look at you and call you and say, come, just tell us. Um, someone has been fighting. I'm done. Good time. I'm good. Someone's been fighting battles that were handed over to them by their parents. Someone has been fighting battles that nobody knows about. I've had conversations with people before. And, you know, you could say the same thing over one hour. And then there's this window where they say, but this is what it is. Someone has been fighting a battle in their finances. And I know what that feels like. I, I know when, it just, when, when you just cannot understand how you can ever be wealthy in life. How you can ever have more than enough money. You just can't understand it. Because on one hand, you see on social media people showing words of dollars. On the other hand, you look at your bank account. In fact, it's as if money is a spirit. Someone has been fighting battles of peace. There's so much turmoil in your heart and in the relationships of Someone has been fighting with delay. I don't know what the battle is, but I know what Scripture says. Revelation says in 12, 11, that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. In those movies, as the gentleman who's they've killed his wife and when he's going to battle, he would open that big armory and just one guy would carry a bazooka and all sorts of different guns and he would go and kill 5,000 people. May I suggest to us that the blood of Jesus is so important in our lives that it is almost the height of deception to go a day without considering the power in the blood of Jesus. Tonight, I'd like us to pray before we take the communion. 
I'd like you to just <laughs> plead the blood of the sprinkling over your life. That, that's all I ask of you tonight. I'd like you to just say, Father, <laughs> I plead the blood of Jesus. Not just in a traditional, just plead the blood. No, 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 no. I plead it with understanding. The Bible says, this is the Lamb of God that has come to take away my sins. For someone, you need to deal with the distance in your relationship with God. And, and it's fine to do in this moment and the time. For someone, you're not born again. Brilliant time to get saved. Brilliant time to get saved. Say, Father, my sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I declare that Jesus is Lord in my life. I accept the sacrifice that was made on the cross and I declare that I am now born again. I accept the sacrifice that was made on the cross. I accept Jesus into my life. But for other people, I'd like you to just go ahead and pray tonight. And just say, Father, I, 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 I plead the blood. I declare that my life, my circumstances are under the covering of the speech of the blood. I don't know what part of what the blood is saying you need to invoke and hold on to tonight. For someone, you need to say, look, I, I, this... There's so much turmoil within my heart. And, and I plead the blood because Jesus says he has given me a sound mind. He has given me a sound mind. He has given me a sound mind. He has given a sound mind. Father, we thank you. 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 Thank you for listening Father, to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.